0: This on demand presentation from Talk910.com. This is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific time. On 9 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. It's Rob Black.
1: Good morning. Made it through a whole five-day work week. It's been the first one in a while for me. Ah, uh, Five-day work week. Actually, I'm one of those people I'd probably prefer to work than be at home. Just, I don't know, it keeps me moving, kind of like a shark or something like those lines. Anyway, 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 um, it's the Roblox Show. It's a call-in show. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. 800-345-5639. It's 800 345 Three, nine should be a pretty good show to, for you today. Fridays are my fun jo- shows. Fi- Fridays are the days where I stretch my legs. Fridays are Dan Rusinowski and the San Jose Sharks. Coming up at 11.15, we're going to talk about the World Hockey Tournament, where the American Juniors won, pulled off a Rocky Balboa type of upset. We'll also talk about the San Jose Sharks, because I'm sure he'll uh, have an opinion on that. Maybe we'll touch a little bit about the, the Winter's Classic. The Winter's Classic. Uh, what was the Winter's Classic? It was that sh- show broadcast... The Hockey Game on TV. Maybe you watched it. It was kind of fun, kind of nice. It was in Boston. so I I hate seeing Boston people all congregated together, but other than that, it was a good show for sure. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. I see a phone is ringing. Yay. So it's always good to start the show with a phone call. Big story today has to be the Jay Leno story. I think we all saw this coming, right? where they moved him from 11.30 to 10, and it's the biggest failure NBC's done in quite a while. NBC's going to try to shuffle their deck one more time. It appears that they have a plan to restore Jay Leno back to the 11.35 time slot. The news, the 11 o'clock news, basically just got decimated. Uh, Jay Leno was a very weak draw at 10, much better draw at 11.30. So Conan would be pushed back till 12.05. Five minutes after midnight. What's that mean? That means Jay Leno would do a half hour program. So now Dave Letterman would be competing against Jay and Conan, so to speak. And the chart, the change, ultimately, if it does get completed, it would represent basically a retreat. It would represent um, strategy just didn't quite work the, the way they wanted it to. So NBC began the Jay Leno show, a primetime version of Mr. Leno's old late-night show. At 10, Mr. O'Brien succeeded him and did the Tonight Show. If the Tonight Show starts at 12.05, that'll be the first time in decades. Decades and decades and probably a half century since the Late Show didn't start right after the news. So, or the Tonight Show, not the Late Show. That's Dave Letterman's gig, so to speak. Anyway, um, and that's, you know, when Letterman went to CBS, he had to leave... The Tonight Show. So he had to leave that that phrase behind with him. Anyway, on the exact terms of Mr. O'Brien's contract not known, if he were to be kicked off NBC, we do know that he would probably get $45 million. So this revised lineup, Jay Leno going back to 1130, will happen after the Olympics. We have the Winter Olympics coming up in the month of February, and NBC is going to preempt it and uh, make sure that we get our good fill of the Olympics. Let's go to Hytendra in Newark. 800 345 5639 Oh yeah, you? Hi, Tendra?
2: Hello there,
0: Rob. How are you doing? Good. I have a question. Uh, you know, I hear you to talk about uh, several stocks, uh, including Apple. I just wanted to get your viewpoint on uh, Apple long-term, say, you know, 5 to 10 years from now. Uh, what uh, would be your recommendation?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really tough for me to give you a 5 to 10-year outlook because I would just be making it up out of my butt, Tendra. Um, okay. I don't know what they're going to come out with as far as product goes. And I, I'll be the first person who's honest with you. I can tell you the next 12 months, I think you'll see Apple work its way to 250 260 and probably do a stock split, which will get some people enthused. I think there's support for the company at this point in time because everything's going very well for them. Um, the most important thing with Apple is their operating system and desktop. The iPhone is cute. The tablet that's going to be coming out in three or four weeks is cute. You may see the stock sell off on that, to be quite honest with you, because unless this tablet turns hay into gold— It's going to be perceived as a disappointment. Now, it's trading at 20 times next year's earnings. So Apple stock is much more expensive, 80% more expensive than the average stock on the S&P 500. With that said, I still think it works its way up to 250, 260, because I think you're going to see um, a company that under-promises and over-delivers in their earnings. And they got a revolution going. I mean, there's nothing short of a revolution going. Personal computing digital media, desktop, laptop, operating systems, Mac mini, Macbooks, iMacs, Mac Pros, iPhones, iPods, I mean iTunes, they they have a, a a true revolution going and I don't see them losing market share um, in any of those categories because their market share is such a small penetration at this point in time on both the desktop and the phone that I think they're going to be able to expand pretty nicely so um I think 250 good chance it hits 185 before it hits 250 i'm not all that stressed but call, me, call back in about a year because i think it's a year-to-year story based okay. on product and i think what they're also going to do tendra i think after the tablet what you're going to see is a tv i really seriously think apple wants a tv in large part and thanks for the call what we're learning about ces this year is it's all about the freaking tv TV manufacturers are coming out with wireless TVs. They're coming out with wired TVs. They're coming out with 3D TVs. They're coming out with bigger TVs. They're coming out with thinner TVs. Um, I think that's where Apple's going to make a lot of hay. I would think down the road, what you're going to see is that they'll also start working their way into automobile operating systems. Uh, but that's a little bit ahead of itself. So um, I wish I could give you a five-year outlook, but I am not that good at what I do <laughs> as far as... is I'd, I'd have to flat out lie to you, to be quite honest with you, and you don't want that. 800 5639 It's 800 5639 Interesting business report came out this morning, and I'm not supposed to talk business in the first segment, but I'm going to break the rules because that's who I am. Um, the waiting's over. We're going to wait another 30 days now before we get the job numbers. So the waiting for now is over, but we're going to start waiting another 30 days because the news that we got, not that good. A lot of economists had forecasted the first positive change in non-farm payrolls. Ultimately, the first positive change in 24 months. They got that increase, but the time's off. Now, the November non-farm payrolls number was revised up from a decline of 11,000 to an increase of 4,000. So, the December numbers that came out today actually made the November numbers look better. And non-farm payrolls in December were down 85,000, but the November up. Again, we wanted that non-farm Job, we wanted it. The unemployment rate, we found out, held steady at 10%. Consensus was 10%. Average hourly earnings rose two-tenths of a percent, and that was expected. The average weekly hours worked in the United States, 33.2 hours, and that stayed basically where it was. So until those hours pick up, you're going to find that employers are getting more out of their employees So from a headline perspective, there was very, 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 very few surprises, but most numbers were in line with expectations. Uh, The numbers that mattered most in the market, the non-farm payrolls, was not. We wanted that to see an increase. We did not. So the goods producing sector saw 81,000 positions cut. So manufacturing, 81,000 positions cut. The service providing sector saw a drop of about 4,000. Construction dropped about 53,000 jobs. On a brighter note, there was an increase of about 50,000 in professional and business service groups and 35,000 uptick in education and health services. Temporary help added about 47,000 jobs. The downer in the report, and there was a downer, was the indication that the number of long-term unemployed jobless, that's people who are unemployed for 27 weeks or longer, is trending higher. That's alarming because that's showing you when jobs get created. For the workers counted officially being unemployed, 4 in 10 workers have been jobless 27 weeks or longer. A year ago, it was 2 out of 10 unemployed had been unemployed for 27 weeks or longer. That's a real jump. That's double the number year over year. Now, separately, the real unemployment rate, which counts for all marginally attached workers and the total unemployed, for basically part-time reasons jumped 17.3%. So the real rate of unemployment, people who are either unemployed or who are working part-time but want full-time hours, jumped 17.3% of Americans. That number means essentially that one out of six workers who are over the age of 16 are either unemployed or underemployed. And if you're under underemployed, the thought there is that you're having problems paying your bills. And if you're unemployed, you're having real problems paying your bills. And it hurts our economy because we're an economy that goes out and buys things and then pays our bills to cover them. This is a call-in show. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Show works better when you're involved. I promise you that. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's Rob Black show. You can also drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. There's a website associated with the radio station you're listening to. It's Talk910.com Talk910.com There they got this little forum Called a live blog Where you can jump in And party Party with other Blackhead listeners Straw Black Show 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk
0: The Glenn Beck Program Coming up at 12 noon now, Rob Black, 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. I did my best to notice when the call came down the line. Up to the platform of surrender, I was brought, but I was kind. I see an open
1: door, close your eyes, clear your heart, cut the cord, are we human, or are we dancers? I think I'm a dancer. No, I'm not a dancer. I don't fluffy twirl around in a circle. It's the Rob Black Show. I've got a good pull coming up. Heidi gets kudos. I would blow kisses at Heidi's, but that would probably be considered inappropriate. She pulled off Allison Hayslip. Who the hell is Allison Hayslip? I know you're thinking, did she pull off Jim Cramer? Did she pull off Barack Obama? Who did she pull off? She pulled off Muhammad Ali? No, 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 no. Will Smith? Uh-uh. She pulled off Allison Hayslip. Who's Allison Hayslip? She's on the TV show Attack of the Show. She's a geeky, nerdy, beautiful vixen of love and technology. I'm a big fan of the TV show, Attack of the Show. Um, huge fan. If I were to ask for any of the, the correspondents on the show, she would be number one. Olivia Munn, number two. But what is Attack of the Show? Attack of the Show is the show that I watch. It's all about the internet. It's all about the gadgets that we use. It's a little bit about porn. It's a little bit about comics. It's a little bit about science fiction and movies. It's kind of like Regis and Kathy Lee or Regis and uh, I always forget her name. But let's say it's, it's kind of like the Regis show, but for 25 year olds. And I know I'm not 25, but I'm living vicariously through the show. It's on G4. Honestly, I think it's the best show on TV. When you watch it, you're happy. So attack the show. But she's um, at CES. She's at Vegas right now. And uh, I'm going to talk to her at 1145. So about an hour, 25. And to me, that is a good pull. That is a real good pull. So thank you so much, Heidi. You actually made my week. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. A lot of what's going on at CS right now is tied towards the television. The television is making a roaring comeback because they're starting to get gadgets put into it. And Heidi, for instance, she watches Hulu and she watches Comedy Central on the Internet on her TV. She actually cut her TV cable package to the basic, which didn't get Comedy Central, but she watches Comedy Central still. So she's saving money. Rob Black loves that idea. Rob Black endorses that idea. Now, who's the winner there? Certainly computers. Intel, certainly. NVIDIA for the graphics card processing, certainly. There's also any company that makes wireless gear. Cisco makes wireless gear. Cisco's so big that maybe the TV won't, dent their bottom line. Maybe it's just not enough. So there's a company that is out there that is small enough to benefit from this trend of the television. It's a company called Netgear. And Netgear is succeeding at the present and it could pay off for investors. It's an investment idea. If everything is continued to move towards a connected living room, which is what we're seeing at CES, Netgear is the backbone of that. Netgear, I think, shares are up 80% in the last 12 months. But it's not trading in an outrageous P.E. It's not trading like, for instance, Apple's trading at 20 times next year's earnings. This company is trading at 19 times this year's earnings. So it's not crazy and it's got a little bit of growth. Television makers like Samsung and Sharp and Panasonic all in all displayed impressive displays. And all of them had Internet connections that for like Skype on TV. Netgear through its family of routers and network attached storage devices it's going to be a bigger part of the connections in your home and the television, 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's going to Michael in Santa Rosa. Michael.
2: Uh, hi, Rob. How are you? I'm okay. Good. Uh, I have holdings in a security, uh, it's called wasatch Hoisington. It's treasury securities uh, and it's been dropping, dropping. And my question is whether I should sit tight because it earns I think their return is maybe 4, four and a half, five percent 5%. Uh, at one time, a year ago, it was performing like crazy. So do you think that's something I should just sit on because I at least earn some dividends, or is it better to sell it?
1: Is it the Wasatch-Hosington U.S. Treasury Fund?
3: That should be it. It's W-H-O-S-X.
1: That, yeah, that's it. Okay, so it's a mutual fund, and thanks for the call, it's down 16% for the year. It yields 3.4%. My personal opinion is that I wouldn't want to own treasuries right now. In large part, we just continue to print new ones, and we're doing them at lower rates. Treasury bonds, 4.75%, 4.5%, 4.25%, 4.5%, 5.25%. So they got some pretty old treasuries in there that might be coming up for expiration sooner rather than later. Let me see what I can pull up as far as costs. It's, expense ratio is pretty high for a bond fund. It's almost 1%. It's not cheap. Now, the investment seeks to provide a rate of return that exceeds the rate of inflation over a business cycle with the emphasis on both income and capital appreciation. The fund typically invests in at least 90% of its total assets in U.S. Treasury securities and in the repurchase agreements. Um, the bond experts that I pay attention to are out of PIMCO and they are not buying or holding U.S. Treasuries until our government can show growth in our economy and until our government can show restraint in issuing new treasuries. There's just too many, too, too damn many of them. Um, I would look for a different type of income fund that is not tied towards the treasury. I do not see a disaster brewing. Um, If you take a look at the last five years of this fund, the last year, it's basically gone sideways. Now, again, it spiked last november but it pulled right back down if you take a look at the last five years it's it as a fund it's never really gone below 13 it's never really gone above 15 so right now where it is at 14 it's kind of at its own level it's it's not sexy it's not glorious it's not gonna get you into a lot of trouble but i think there's better income funds out there i do not think you need to make a move i think this is a very conservative fund and you already own it and it's meant to get you about three and a half percent which it's getting you three and a half percent. So sometimes you have to look at stocks as why did you buy it? For instance, you don't buy Apple to pay you. You don't need the dividends because it doesn't have a dividend. It's dividend strategy is nominal at best. It's not an income play. It's a growth play. That's why I trade shares of Apple. I don't necessarily invest in them. They don't do big stock buybacks. They don't share their profits with the shareholders. Um, You get a piece of the company and that company is growing in valuation. No doubt about it. No diggity diggity doubt about it. So um, this is an Apple. This isn't a growth story. This is an income story. And your fund is paying you the income that they said they're going to try to pay you. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Little little talk about Hulu because I already talked about Netgear as a potential investment on CES and the TV. Trying to protect revenue that they collect from cable operators Hollywood studios that own Hulu have stopped the online TV and movie outlet from working with over-the-top companies such as Boxee. Now, Boxee brings video from the web to the living room. But as set-top manufacturers equip more of their models with Ethernet jacks and software necessary to act as displays on a home network, there's going to be no holding them back. So there's a a company called Media Mall Technologies. They've got a program called Play PlayOn. It enables people to stream programs from Hulu to their TV via their computer. Now, the software server also can transmit videos from YouTube, CBS, Netflix, and other online sources. Play on is a really cool thing. It relies on a game console like Wii or the Xbox, Netflix, um, or PlayStation 3, excuse me. Uh, but you can get videos from Netflix, CBS, YouTube, all through it. It's a compliant set-top box. Um, set makers equipping more and more of their models with the internet jacks, and I think that we're going to continue to hear more about TV through the internet. It's just a huge story. Um, Unfortunately, TVs don't have huge profit margins in them. They just don't. Another way to watch Hulu on TV is to connect a computer directly to your set. Laptop makers have tried to encourage this trend by equipping their models with digital TV-friendly HDMI cables instead of just a VGA plug. At CES, there's a company called Alleron. They make chips that send information to ultra-wide spectrum. They're offering a simpler, albeit pricier, alternative, which is a stubby UBS dongle that can transmit programming wirelessly from a PC to an antenna attached to the TV's HDMI input. So the signal can travel about 25 feet, so it needs to be relatively in the room. But all sorts of gadgets, all sorts of gadgets right now, are trying to figure out connecting your Xbox to your TV through the Internet, connecting your TV straight through the Internet, connecting your TV through the Internet with your computer in a different room, they're all trying to figure it out. So and I'll tell you, the simpler the solution, I think the, the easier this transition happens. To you get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Friday. I feel Friday. I don't know if you feel Friday. I don't really have my pacing today. I, I feel like I'm a second behind. Like maybe I'm cutting a time warp of about a second. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating
0: talk gotta get down my hand in the western oil can under my local liver chair it's aloha friday no work till monday ahead at noon glenn beck now rob black 9 10 a.m more stimulating talk
1: 800 345 5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800 345 5639 to get your calls on the air. I do a show a lot about personal finance, a lot about retirement, just a little bit about technology. I think I've been really heavy on technology so far in the last 10 shows, in large part because it's a tech time of the year. To be quite honest with you, this is when a lot of the new gadgets get shown, and next year we're buying them. So I, I'm sorry that I'm skewing a little bit that way. I'm not going to say it is what it is because that's offensive. Uh, I think you get the idea of where I'm going at though. There's a lot of car shows going on right now, and I'm just not a car guy. I'm apathetic about cars. I, 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 I don't get jacked up. I don't go crazy over cars. I just don't. Um, I get kind of lovey-dovey about auto insurance, but not not so much about cars themselves. That just does not appeal to me. One of the bigger issues facing parents today is funding of college. I know it. I know you know it. I know we all know that college is too crazy expensive. And it wasn't so much for me, and it certainly wasn't so much for my parents, but the generation of kids being born today, it, it might be unattainable. So we're going to have to come up with alternatives and, and different ways of looking at it. Even modest savings, though, can crack enough of a punch to give you enough time to grow. If you invest just $100 a month for 18 years, it's going to be $48,000. That's assuming an 8% average annual rate of return. Now, $100 a month is a lot for a parent. I'll be honest with you. Your baby food's expensive. Except for when it comes out of the mother's breast. (laughs) That's the, the most glorious time for the dad because he's not paying for that milk, if you know what I'm saying. It's free. Free. So... Anyway, I got a I got a breast milk joke in my head, and I think the punchline's better than the joke. But you know, women go—you know—they get big boobs and fake boobs and all that kind of stuff, and uh, they they try to please men with bigger. Whereas, if you really truly want to please a man, you 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 put Heineken in that thing. So, if, if that, I know, I know, I know. I'm not gonna be writing jokes for Jay Leno at 11:35 anytime soon, but. Yeah, I think I got the point across. Um, so anyway, back to saving for kids in colleges. Stocks are the best for your college savings portfolio. For you Don't save in bonds. You're not going to get enough. You don't have to save the entire cost of the four years. There's federal, there's state, there's private grants, there's loans that can help bridge the gap. 529 plans are the best way, in my opinion, to save for a kid's college. It gives you a qualified withdrawal that's not taxed as long as you use it on school. I think it's a lovely, lovely thing. Tax breaks are almost as good as grants. Um, two federal tax credits, the Hope Credit, the Lifetime Learning Credit, the years you pay the tuition. If your income's too high to qualify for those credits, you may qualify for a higher education expense deduction. There's all sorts of good things out there. The best website for saving for college for your kids is Saving for College. com. There's another good website out there that I, I like and I use for the average Joe, for the average man. And that's um, Bankrate, Bankrate.com. If you want to learn about mortgages and credit cards and, and things financial on the banking side of the fence, Bankrate.com does a lovely job. For instance, if you want to learn how to improve your credit, they do a lovely job. And it's, it's a lot of non-biased in, info. And when I say that, I, I think that's good because they're not trying to sell you crappy insurance products while you're reading about insurance. I like that. So Bankrate.com and SavingForCollege.com. It's going to Bob. It's Bob the Builder in Santa Clara. Bob?
2: Yeah, hi Rob. Um, I've been uh, I've done reasonably well over many, many, many years with Vanguard mutual uh, right. funds, primarily um, index. And my sons, who also invest, they're in their uh, late thirties, early forties, have asked me what, what kind of allocation I would recommend for them. And they're not brand new in it; they've done some investments. So here's kind of what I thought. And I just want to get your opinion.
3: Okay.
2: And this would this would be Vanguard type uh, index mostly. So total stock market thirty uh, percent, mid cap and small cap index again each about fifteen percent, uh, Vanguard Emerging Index twenty percent, and maybe a balanced one about twenty percent. What are your thoughts on that?
1: What was the first one?
2: Uh, t- uh, you know, total.
1: Total. Okay. And how index. much was how much was in that thirty? Thirty. Okay, I like that. I like the fifteen mid. I like the fifteen small. So that gives you what forty five. 50 60 percent in the u.s Mm -hmm. i would say 20 percent international not enough i would i would like to see 30 or 40 percent and i would probably take that out five out of mid five out of small and maybe 10 out of total but that's riskier a lot riskier Mm -hmm. so the profile is gonna be a lot more volatile but i truly believe when i look at the united states bob i don't think we have a housing fix right around the corner i don't think we have an employment fix right around the corner I don't see an economy chugging at 4%. I look worldwide, and I see a lot of economies chugging at 4%. A GDP of 4% in the United States, Bob, it can make a lot of people look smart. That's why the 90s were so good for investors. Greatest 10 years ever were so good for the United States because our GDP was above 4% because we're inventing stuff, we're consuming stuff, we're buying it on credit. I see 4% growth elsewhere, and I want it because that's where you get the best stock market returns. And sadly... I may have to go to India. I may have mm-hmm. to go to China. I may have to go to Brazil to get those. So I want a little bit more international, and it's going to be a little bit riskier, Bob, because it, it's international's not clean. International's yeah. not without political risk. International's not without other risk. So that's where I'm going to go with on on my statements. And I'm Now, just, would
2: you do that international, or would you do that emerging?
1: I would do it international. Um, I, I think 20% emergence is aggressive. Um, I think if you were to put another 20% in... International – seven out of the ten biggest banks in the world are international banks, and we forget that. Um, and that tells you that a lot of the business of the world is outside of the United States. So um, if you don't want to go emerging, some people would refer to emerging as third-world type of investing. That no, I was is, thinking the BRICS. Okay, you were thinking BRICS you your emerging?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, if you yeah. look at Vanguard emerging, uh, I mean, it's pretty substantial brick.
1: Right. There's different classifications, and like, for instance, what I consider – Hardcore and softcore, you probably have different definitions of it. So, a lot of people look at emerging as below brick. Some people see it as brick, and brick being Brazil, Mm -hmm. Russia, India, and China. So, yeah, I would pick up some international and maybe some international value, maybe some international real estate funds. Um, If you want to. Would
2: would you also do emerging? So, if I did international, would you also go, uh, you know, for example, Vanguard has international and they have emerging?
1: I have no problem with up to forty percent being emerging or international or combo. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's an aggressive number, Bob. So you got to make sure that your kids, that if they have spouses, that they're not looking at the portfolio each and every day, but they're Mm -hmm. funding the portfolio every two to four weeks um because when those markets hit like for instance there was a big typhoon on christmas a couple years ago and it it destroyed the pacific um world of investing and it was the best buying opportunity in the last 10 years but if you looked at your stocks on january 1st you were freaked out if you looked at your stocks a year later you were thoroughly thoroughly happy that this typhoon rocked that world and gave you a buying opportunity
2: Mm -hmm. what do you think about putting some imbalance?
1: You know, like Willis Lee or... Yeah, I like balance. That's not a bad category of uh, funds at all, Bob. You are a smart man and you've thought this through. I would just say a little bit more international, and I would take from the total or from the mid or the small. Got it. Um, So thanks for the call. Thank you. Yep. Balance is, it's not sexy. Balanced is granny panties. I mean, nothing sexy about them, but totally functional. Totally functional. So the thong is, is emerging and international, and those aren't terribly functional. The hung underwear, not totally functional. And somewhere in between, you would look at your you know, uh, total stock market, your mid, and your small. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. In about an hour, I get Dan and In no, about 30 minutes, I get Dan Rusinowski. In about an hour, I get Allison Hayslip. I, that is the best. I'm looking more forward to that interview than any other interview that I've done in the last year. Um, who is Allison Hayslip? Go Google Go Google attack of the show and you'll figure out who Allison Hayslip is or go YouTuber and uh, you'll get an idea of what she's all about. She's all about gadgets. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black's show. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk.
0: Rob Black. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk.
1: Four five five six three nine. Trying to educate you a little bit more about money and financial issues. Big headline today in the newspaper says for Bank of America bonuses it looks like two thousand and seven payouts for investment bankers aimed to stem more defections but could reignite pay controversy. So it's going to be a good year to be a banker. What does this mean to you? Why do you care? If you were listening to the the douche Ron Owens. He'd be like, should these bankers be getting all this money? Hmm, we bailed them out. Why don't they bail us out? Scintillating talk, right? It's crap. What I will tell you is you can make money from this. He doesn't understand how Wall Street works. He doesn't understand how the economy works. Bankers get paid big dollars because they do big transactions. When California needs money, they don't need $10 or $100. They they don't do a $600,000. I need $600,000 so I can buy a house. California needs billions and billions of dollars every single day. Now, you know that your stock broker, no, 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 you know that your real estate broker and your uh, mortgage broker, they get paid three, three to six percent on every transaction when you buy a house, right? So for a $100,000 house, that's $3,000. For $500,000, it's $15,000. So when you see a banker getting a million-dollar bonus, you get offended for it. When you're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars in transactions, why don't you bitch and moan about real estate agents? Because you're not complicated enough. You're not you're not savvy enough to see the link. You're not. We're, we're not taught that. We're taught, you know, G.I. Joe's and Barbies, and then from then on, we're taught to kinda like kind of match and kind of get, you know, homogenize. We don't push people to think in our nation. We push people not to get upset. Go to Carl and Petaluma. How the chickens doing in Petaluma, Carl?
3: Hey, I really like that. We're, we don't push people to think, we push them to uh, to get along. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. that's the root cause of a lot of our problems, I think, Ron. Right?
1: You know, I, I had the coolest family. My dad would encourage at dinner for us to argue pro life. Uh huh. And the next day he would say, argue pro choice. So you can never have the same argument. Like you had to suddenly think. We, we, we argued at the table and would. Uh... Anyway, I, I digress. What's on your mind, Carl?
3: Well, I've got a couple of uh, older friends, and uh, they got hurt pretty badly in 2000 and also last year. And as a consequence, they are real gun-shy. They're almost entirely in cash now. They've both got small pensions, and uh, I think the sum total of their assets is right around 300000 right now, or cash right now is 300000 And I'm trying to avoid uh, any responsibility for suggesting anything to them that might be, Unwise in general, and I just want to run a couple a couple of concepts past if I could to suggest to them sure um, been looking at the different bond funds, and it looks like Jenny Mays are yielding pretty well
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, there's some CDs out there that are not doing too badly really uh, well in the current environment, but also. California obligations, general obligation bonds, mm-hmm. uh, Go they, bonds, they don't need any tax uh, 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 privilege, per se, but they do need income. So I was thinking about suggesting a, a mix of those to them, along with uh, maybe easing back into the market, something like a total stock market, 50-50 or 40-60, something along that line.
1: Okay. Nothing that you're saying is crazy talk. Okay. Now, Maybe instead of a total stock market index, maybe a, a balanced fund or a value fund. Okay. Something that skews to lower risk okay. because they've gotten burned. Yep. And the last thing you want is them to get hurt in any way, shape, or form, or for them to panic because they think they're going to get hurt.
3: Oof, that'd be bad karma.
1: Um, And you know what? It, it, it kind of angers me, Carl. Not, if they did bad in 2000, that means they got in too late because... I was invested in 2000, but I was also invested in 99, 98, 97, 96, 95. So it was a good game for me. I'm surprised it went bad for them unless they got in late, which tells me they tend to chase things. And that tells me a little bit more about the mentality.
3: Yes, I think you're spot on there.
1: So I would say consistency wins all battles, and it's a tortoise versus the hare okay. um, kind of situation. And I, I love the tortoise. I don't mind growth stocks if you're going to do growth stocks for a long period of time. I don't mind value stocks if you do value stocks for a long period of time. What you don't want to do is suddenly do value and, and look over at growth and go, "Oh, I want some of that," uh, because then you're changing your, your stripe, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, nothing that you said was totally out of line um, as far as investments. Again, I would probably skew a little bit more uh, value if in anything stock oriented. I love the Ginny Mays, the GO bonds, the California GO bonds are great for income and. It's kind of a Camelot type of time frame for go bonds um, because California is under so much distress. The federal government can't let California go bankrupt, so they're securing some of those go bonds. So there's some safety to them, uh, but again, uh, California is a mess. So you get a real high yield because of that. So typically, state bond funds are two to three percent, one percent, two percent. Not four, five, six percent. So eight hundred three, four, five, five, six, three, nine to get your calls in the air. Let's go to Randy in Santa Clara. Randy.
0: Hey Rob, how you doing?
1: Good. How are you? How, how are you?
0: I am great. I listen to you all the time.
2: Listen to you for years, and uh, I finally took your advice. I had been paying off my house. I do about an extra two thousand a month, mm-hmm. and uh, captured a great rate of four and three
1: eighths, and took out about two hundred and twenty thousand and want to come up with a strategy on how to invest that and make enough to offset what I'm paying in interest. Okay, first and foremost, I do not that's not my strategy. Um, just I want to be very clear so that other people don't harvest equity from their home and invest it. I legally can't give you advice. The, 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 the SEC and the NASD are so hardcore about taking money from one source to put it into another that I can't say take that money and invest it in Apple. I can't. I would get into legal problems because your sophistication may grasp it. Your sophistication may not. Um, My risk may be too high. Your risk level may be much lower. So it's really bad advice for me to go that direction. But um, if I had new money, um, my 2010 expectations are for telecom stocks, utility stocks, and tech stocks to do well for the first half of the year. Um, I think some names like Citigroup are incredible values for the next 10 years Um, I think Citigroup works their way out of their problem. I think Wells Fargo is fine. I think Bank of America is fine. Goldman Sachs is fine. Merrill Lynch, um, not Merrill Lynch, uh, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley. Um, I think those are also uh, pretty good names. Um, I wouldn't see. That's the problem. When you take out home equity, like a home equity line, or even when you refinance and get a big lump sum, um, you assume greater returns elsewhere. I don't prepay my mortgage, but I don't pay it off, uh, but I don't take money from it for anything other than more real estate. So, um
2: I didn't take out any more than what I prepaid, okay, so I'm still less than what I originally,
1: okay, so got you got some the good so you still have some equity, yeah, um, I think I gave you some ideas there, yeah, so thanks for the call. I'd love one quick other question sure um do you I mean, how would you recommend picking a financial advisor and you know what would you look for? What questions would you ask? I think the best thing to do is find someone who's got a financial advisor that they like and they've used for ten years because. If they've used them for 10 years, it tells you that they got through some crazy stuff together as as a, as uh partners. Um it tells you they got through 9/11, it tells you they got through a recession in 2001, 2002. It tells you they got through a Republican president and a Democrat president. It tells you it gives you a little bit more traction. I like CFP's, Randy. I'm biased towards CFP's. Um 10 years ago, well, twenty fifteen 15 years ago, I saw the industry moving towards CFP's because they do your they help you with your taxes, they help you with estate planning, they help you with your college funding. They help you with tax laws. Um picking an advisor, an investment advisor is wildly easy. You're looking for consistency. Um picking a financial planner I think is the right way to go and let them help you with an investment advisory strategy that's appropriate for you. Because if you're picking a registered investment advisor, an RIA, who's a good stock picker, right. typically what you're doing is you're you're looking for highest return. I mean, that's what most people look for. Can you can you promise me doubling my money every seven years? Can you promise me doubling my money in four or five? Um, I'm not a big fan of registered investment advisors. I used to be a registered investment advisor. I saw the industry moving towards CFPs. So I think there's a good website called CFP.com, CFP.com. Um, interview two or three and make sure that you get something comprehensive. You don't want something. You don't want a guy who doesn't ask you if you have kids. You don't want a guy who doesn't ask, you know, how's your wife's risk appetite. You don't want someone who promises you before you've told them everything about you. Um, it's typically a, a CFP. They spend a good 12 hours working up a relationship. And then after that, they, they, they monitor you. They stay in touch with you. They, they stay on top of you. Um, so I think that's the way to go. If you need a referral, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com, and I'll, I'll gladly work you into a referral of some shape or form. Let's go to Sean in Oakland. Sean.
3: Hey, Robert. Sean again. How you doing?
1: Hey, you called yesterday, and you had one stock question. Now you're calling today with the other stock question.
3: You got it. Uh, Lin Energy, ticker L-I-N-E, um, It's paying about a 9% dividend yield. And just wanted to get what your thoughts are on that. You know, part of me is thinking "Ah, that's a little high, too good to be true, but.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the high dividends because, like you said, it's too good to be true. Um, It's 8.8% dividend yield. Let's take a quick look at the valuation. Incredibly cheap valuation. Um, In the last couple of years, it's gone from about 20 bucks to 40 bucks, 40 bucks to 10 bucks, 10 bucks to 30 bucks. So. It's you, volatile. It's a roller coaster, and you have to like roller coasters. Me, I love roller coasters. I'm totally into roller coasters. When I go to theme parks, and I don't to go that often, but when I do, I love the roller coasters. Um, also, I like the tilt-a-whirls. I like the things that spin around real fast that if someone pukes, it, gets it all, covers everyone. It's just that risk, you know, if you're going to get a ch- uh, chunk on you. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the company. Um, give me just a second. Lynn Energy they're out of Houston Texas so my guess is they're gonna be a play on oil or natural gas Both. yep chairman and CEO Michael Lynn. that's his company um, successfully drilled for natural gas across the United States natural gas is a story that's gonna take 10 20 30 years for America to get it's a cleaner fuel and as we're focusing on clean energy now more so than ever in the United States, not more so than ever Mm, global warming treaty packs, clean energy, they kind of go together. I'm not saying we're focusing more than ever because I want to strike that. We're still an oil-consuming nation. Sometimes when oil gets expensive, we say, let's look at the alternative Um, as far as for new devices and new technologies goes. I think natural gas is, it's here to stay. We are the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. We got tons of it, and it's typically in the Appalachians, and all we got to do is kick out some homeless, not some homeless people, but some mountain people some hillbillies and uh, some one toothers as I like to refer to them. And uh, it's not nearly as dangerous as the middle East or the Gulf. So they got 25 acquisitions, very acquisition hungry in California, New York, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia. The company's proven reserves of six, 1.6 billion cubic feet of natural gas. Um, they do a little bit of shallow drilling as well. I don't see much on oil. So to me, it feels like a very much so a natural gas play. And I prefer oil plays right now. For instance, I like Chevron more than Exxon because Exxon just did a huge investment in natural gas. And I'm just an oil guy. I think there's better money to be made there than in natural gas in the short term and the longer term. Natural gas, maybe there's going to be some more acquisitions. Maybe Lynn Energy will be acquired for their proven reserves of $1.6 That's actually factored out to $1.6 cubic feet of natural gas They've got some wildly um, productive wells going out there. So i got no problem with them. No problem at all. And I think it's a play on headlines. Fundamentally, it's not my play. I I prefer oil. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Let me look at one more thing on Lynn. Uh, It's had a great run recently